time for you as we now unite our hearts and listen to the word we pray that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what people say to us today. And to this end, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts may be acceptable to you, for Lord our rock and our redeemer. You know, last week we ended our two-week series for the Lord's Prayer. We have completed our two-week series for this year on high-definition discipleship. Earlier in the year, you know, we have gone through 12 uh, sermons on the Apostles' Creed followed by the Lord's Prayer. However, for today and for the first Sunday of the next few months, uh, first Sunday of the next few months until November, the second Sunday of August, I will also be preaching taking us through a few other issues which will be important for us to explore as we seek to be high-definition disciples of Jesus Christ. And I want to explore the issues related to relationships. Uh, as an aside, I must warn uh, our parents that for the service that we're preaching every first Sunday and the second Sunday of August, we'll be rated PG. I'll be talking about sex. Guide your young ones along. Now, if you remember, I mentioned on the first Sunday of this year that secularism, new age influences, and so called inclusive teachings that go against our church or Christian faith have crept into the church. And if, you are, if you do not teach our members what is destructive theology with our members, do not impart sound teachings to their children, you will be in danger of what the Bible is warning us in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 3 to 4 that says, For time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So you see, as Christians, we must be clear regarding what is good, morally sound, theologically correct, and ethically upright. Otherwise, it is very easy for prey, the deception and confusion. It's my hope that our members and worshippers will truly understand what it means to be a true disciple in the face of various challenges and how we can respond in a way that is loving but does not compromise our Christian faith. And so as I said, for, for today and for the first Sunday of the next few months, I'll be taking us through a few matters on relationships will be vital for us to explore. We will explore the topics of dating, getting married, staying married, and other controversial themes. Then we start by looking at the topic of dating. Yes, dating. Or what the older folks in Singapore say, platform. You know, you may be past the dating stage in life. But don't switch off and assume that you do not listen and learn about this topic. You see, you, have, you may have children, nephews and nieces or students and persons you know who may be or going to be at the stage of dating someone. What can you impart to these persons? How can you be a positive influence on these persons? What do we base our relationships on? We follow the examples of what we see in the movies, what we read on social media, all based on what the Bible is teaching us. 
But before we get to this topic of dating, let us look at our scriptural passage for today. These are taken from key passages in the Bible from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 to 7, and Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I'll be reading to you from the English Standard Version. Firstly, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, the Apostle Paul says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Moving to 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 to 7, what God says, Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honour, not in the passion of lust, but the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger of all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Finally, Proverbs 4, 22 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of water. This is the word of God. Thanks to the God. Now friends, for most people, unless you have decided to stay single, which is not a wrong thing, dating is one of the most important processes in life we will go through. Dating is potentially able to lead to one of the most important decisions of your life, marriage, spending the rest of your life with someone you love, till death, till you part. Now let me ask you a question. What is a date? Or should I ask, what does it mean to go on a date? I know there are many definitions of a date, but to, stay, to help us stay focused for today, I would like to confine our definition of date or dating to mean this. Dating is a social arrangement with someone of opposite gender, someone whom you have or whom you intend to have a romantic relationship with, or someone whom you are in love and growing steady. The intention of getting married to that person eventually, or what we may term as looking for a mate for life. And this is the definition we want to stick with for today's sermon. Because with this definition, it answers the fundamental question, why date? Why date? The answer is to look for a mate or to look for a marriage partner. But as I have said earlier, marriage is a serious matter. It is not some activity that we can take playfully. Marriage must be considered solemnly. It is not an event that we indulge in to assume, amuse ourselves. It's an important decision in life. And needless to say, this important decision of a lifetime starts even before the dating stage. But can we really learn from Jesus when it comes to dating? Jesus never dated. He was not even married. But what would Jesus want us to do in dating? Well, let me examine this by 
exploring issues related to dating and what God would want us to do. What are these issues? Well, it may not come as a surprise to you if I were to say that in life, frequently we prepare for things and work on issues well before the actual event begins. And this is no different when it comes to dating. When it comes to dating, you must understand issues about being single. This is so that when you start dating, you do not bring into your relationship any unresolved issues or expectations you may have. You do not bring into your relationship any personal baggage, encumbrances, or misconception of who you really are. This is so that you can start right, stay right, and start dating. This is so that you may not only be able to find the Mr. or the Miss right, you too will be the Mr. or the Miss right yourself. To start right, you need to overcome the fear of loneliness. Now, some persons or single persons know the feeling of going home to cook a meal or wine and then watching television alone at night. Especially there when a single person is not staying with parents or siblings. You know, millions of people struggle with loneliness all year round and it becomes worse during festive seasons. Research has shown that suicides among singles are higher during festive seasons. The struggle with loneliness and the longing for completeness can be very overpowering. In the book entitled Relationships by Les and Leslie Carroll, the authors said this, and I quote them. They said, If you try to find intimacy with another person before achieving a sense of identity on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourselves. I say again, you try to find intimacy with another person for achieving a sense of identity of your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourselves. <clears throat> Friends, there is nothing wrong with being single. Many singles live fulfilled, meaningful, and productive lives. Consider Jesus. He was single. He coped very well as a single. Every single person, just like every married person, is a unique human being with individual strengths and needs. There are ways to cope with loneliness and being single. We must acknowledge the reality of your loneliness. All of us know something about loneliness, so don't deny it. It is all a part of the human experience. Now let's be honest. Many of us at one time or another have felt as though something is missing. You know, all of us have struggled with loneliness before. You know, that feeling of being detached, unaccepted, left out of a group that we like to be a part of. And when we find ourselves in this feeling of loneliness, and frequently we search outside ourselves for something or for someone to feel the loneliness. Some people do that by shopping, others drink, eat, or do anything and everything to distract themselves from the pain of loneliness. Most of us, most of all, we tell ourselves this, if I find the right person, 
my life will be complete. But guess what? It is not that simple. Why? If it is true that all of us will have friends that will never fail us and marriages will never fracture, danger of trying to complete yourself through another person tends to result in an illusion, illusion of wholeness. The truth is that to build healthy relationships, you must establish wholeness, a sense of self-worth and a healthy self-concept. And how do we do that? How do we become whole? Now, if you are serious about finding wholeness in your life, it shows you are ready to sidestep this fairy tale belief that the right person can make your life complete. Counselors and psychologists show that there are ways to find wholeness in life. Firstly, you must learn to heal your hurts. It means to explore your personal history and work towards healing any residue of pain in your past. It calls for us to acknowledge and accept our, personal, our relational pain instead of bearing them. And that is important. You know, People who are hurt will hurt others. People who are hurt will hurt others. And so you start right where it hurts. For some people, personal hurts run deep. For others, they appear to be mere scratches. Whatever it is, this step towards wholeness is crucial. Healing your hurts is a process of painful self-exploration. Personal growth always, almost is, but it's worth the price. Secondly, we must also learn to remove our mask. You know, each of us has a natural, built-in desire to be known, but we stifle that desire because we are afraid of rejection. As a result, we wear masks. We put up our guard. We become what Abraham Maslow called jellyfish in armor. We pretend to be someone we are not. But underneath that mask, there is only confusion, fear, aloneness, and sheer panic at the thought of being exposed. This mask that we hide behind is a paradox because we long hope to be known and also to remain hidden. Because we fear rejection, we say to ourselves, if people knew the real me, they would never accept it. And so we slip further behind the facade and we pretend. Sociologists call it depression management. Others call it pain. You may practice hiding behind this mask to such a high degree of finesse, but we will never hold. We cannot bring that mask into the dating relationship because we will then care more about ourselves rather than about how others are doing. Whole persons have the security to focus on how others are doing. Not because they want to look good, but because they genuinely care. To achieve personal wholeness, you must have the courage to drop your guard, to take off your mask and to be real to yourself and to others. Self-worth comes from hard work. You must be willing to get out and to interact with people. You can start by joining a small group in church. In a small group, you make friends, you find support, you build friendship and relationship. 
Now, all this can be very frightening, and so you really need to rely on God. This is a crucial step towards achieving holiness. But sadly, many fail in this step. They may do everything they have explored, but they are not maximizing the potential for holiness until they learn to rely on God, not another person to meet the need for holiness and self-worth. Every relationship, no matter how serious, no matter how loving, cannot meet all our needs all the time. And that is why some people seek money, some seek prestige, others seek beauty or success, achievement or fame to satisfy the yearning for personal significance. But even the most loving human relationship can never consistently quench our deepest need. We do not, and we must not seek personal significance through dating and marriage. Hey friends, listen to this. Our friends, our potential mate and spouse is not a trophy. Yeah, listen. Our potential mate or spouse is not a trophy. Our human condition is such that we want the other person to consistently and unfailingly meet our deepest need, even though it is an impossibility. No human being could meet our needs all the time, every time. Our earthly relationships will let us down. But a deep relationship with God can be counted on to meet your most profound need of significance fully. Only God can ultimately and consistently love you when you are moody, when you make mistakes, when you feel rejected or when you feel unloved by the person you counted on most. God is love. We can rely on God's love every time, all the time. Personal significance is not attained just because we have a potential mate or a spouse in our life. It may be God's desire for us to stay single. Remember this. Singlehood is not a disease. Singlehood is not a calamity. Singlehood is not a curse. Single persons can live healthy, fulfilling and productive lives. The life of a true disciple of Jesus Christ is not about dating or getting married. The life of a true disciple of Jesus Christ is about living in union with a person and that person is Jesus Christ. Whether we are single or, or married, all of us can live an abundant life that Christ has spoke about in John chapter 10 verse 10. And this abundant life can only occur as we let him live it through us. It may mean living as a married person, it may also mean living as a single. Regardless of what God's plan for us may be like, we can find fulfillment in it. Now there's a Russian proverb that goes like this. Before embarking on a journey, pray once. Before leaving for war, pray twice. Before you marry, you pray three times. <laughs> a Arabian proverb says, choose your horse from a hundred, your friend from a thousand, and your wife from ten thousand. <laughs> you see friends, marriage is a serious matter. It involves a lifelong journey with one partner. Preparation for this life stage is vital. Broken hearts and red holes will be a rare exception if serious and prayerful thoughts were given to dating or finding a Happiness in marriage is not an accident. It is an achievement. It is achieved right at the start when one is dating. And how do you date rightly? 
in our scripture passage for today, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 to 7. Paul urges us to walk and to please God, to abstain from sexual immorality, to know how to control our body in holiness and honor, and not in a passion of lust. The passage Proverbs 4, 23, we are called to guard and keep our heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. When we guard our heart with all vigilance, we will then be able to scrape away all the lust and sexual immorality. We will then be able to walk and to please God when we date. So what is wrong with dating? Nothing. There is nothing wrong with dating. Nothing wrong if you guard your heart with all vigilance. And that is how you start right in dating and that is how you stay right in dating. What is the goal of a dating relationship? No, not sex. The goal is to discover what is real about the person we are dating and about who that person really is. But there are a lot of things you need to know about the person you want to marry, so it is best for you if your relationship is taken seriously. You know, in the book Dating 101, the authors Samuel Adams and Young and Ben Young call the people we go up with as marketing gurus. You know why? Because dating persons are always on their best behavior, always putting their best foot forward, always focusing on impressing the partner. Their aim to, is to portray themselves as charming, polite, polished and attractive. As a result, in a dating relationship, people are stuck with a tremendous challenge to get beyond the mask and discover the real person underneath that mask. And our task is to discern character. To penetrate this natural tendency to impress and to gain insight into who they really are. And what qualities do you look for in mate? Well, you need to be able to see past the superficial and discern whether or not your partner has the essential character qualities necessary to sustain a healthy relationship. Among others, these qualities are being faithful, honest, committed, forgiving, and giving. But these qualities are often overlooked. To do so in a dating relationship, you need to spend time talking and asking questions, not engaging in sex or petting. Sex is a beautiful gift from God and reserved for marriage. Listen, sex is love, but love is not only about sex. Having sex with a person creates a kind of oneness that God's intended for marriage only. This oneness is not just physical, it is emotional, it is spiritual too. It is intended to build intimacy and trust, build a bond for the couple and for procreation. You know, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. But when it comes to dating relationship, sex covers a multitude of flaws. Sex as a way of blinding you from seeing your partner's true colors. Why? Because in dating relationship, sex clubs the relationship and shuts down communication. Friends, if your date refuses to stay in your life because you have chosen to remain pure, remember this. That person never loved you in the first place. That person should be out of the dating life. 
And so as we close, how can you keep out of trouble and stay right when you Let me suggest some things. Number one, go out for activities in a group. Don't spend too much time alone. Number two, remember this motto, hands off, clothes on. You must keep both feet on the floor and do not get horizontal. <laughs> Hugging and kissing a lot closes your mind to dangerous signs. Keep your head clear. Three, don't talk about your sexual desires. Instead, talk about your values as a true disciple of Christ and why you hold on to them. Four, even if you think this person is the one, the one you will marry, cautious. Keep yourself worthy of the best. Resist all pressures that will lead you to conform to the lowest common denominator of morality. Five. Talk, talk, and talk. There are many things to talk about, like friends, hobbies, interests, goals, dreams. Spend time talking and getting to know a lot about each other and not a lot about each other's body. Six. Determine to bring out the best in yourself so that so as to bring out the best in the one you are dating. Find and select someone you can bring out the best, who can bring out the best in you. Seven. Stay away from places where being tempted is encouraged. Don't spend time alone in private behind closed doors or with people who only think and talk about sex. Don't go for a holiday alone as a couple and share rooms. The temptation is too high. And don't say you know the limits because really you don't know the limits until you cross it. Now, as an aside, last time I used to have a friend whom I lost contact. And he likes to drink. And I always tell him, be careful, don't drink too much. And he is always saying, don't worry, man, I know my limits. And I told him, if you know the limits, I'll be there. Is that true? You won't know your limits until you get back. Same with sex. You don't know your limits until you get And so friends, listen to this. You have gone too far in your dating relationship. You have given your virginity away. It is not too late to start over. You cannot get your virginity back, but God can give you a fresh new start. All you need to do is repent and ask God for forgiveness. You know, history is full of Christians who made unwise choices about sex and then repented. You are not disqualified. Sometimes it costs the Lord to stand unflinchingly for God. The Bible does not provide us with any specific instructions concerning dating or the selection of a husband or wife. But it does provide us with some guiding principles that may apply to all of us. Following these principles bring a rich reward, not only in the world to come, but also here on earth, when we are blessed with a blissful marriage and a family. What you need to do really is to stay right, to keep right, and no matter what, stand unflinchingly right for God. Come, let us pray.